Local Radio for Portsmouth. And here we are, just after 7 o'clock, thanks for your company as always here on a Thursday and Sunday night. This is Express This Week. This is Chris Pierce. Thanks for your company tonight here from Studio 2 in our penthouse suite here in central Portsmouth with the week's news and views. Uh, from now until 9 o'clock tonight, action-packed programme for you this week. Something different this week in actual fact. A couple of things we haven't done before. Yeah. Looking forward to this. Uh, in about 10 minutes or so, here's what... Uh, a quirky story to start the show off uh, this week. We'll talk about the history of the, yeah, the pencil. Thing you draw with, yeah, with the rubber stuffed on the end. Generally, anyway. Uh, yeah, the history of the pencil. Michael Stallholm uh, will be uh, telling us all about that, the history behind that. Uh, here with us in about ten minutes, just after ten past seven tonight. We'll be chatting about that here on Express this week. Uh, interesting conversation we'll have up for sure at 7.25 tonight we're talking to Helen Carter Helen from the Hampshire WI um, the Women's Institute of course find out more about the history of that and how it's evolved over the years and how of course they've coped with, uh, with lockdown the last uh, couple of years or so so we'll catch up with Helen here later the first if you like our profile guest tonight we're going to hear two of her songs as well uh, here later with us at 7.25 tonight Past eight, uh, we're talking to Chris Dixon. Now, Chris is uh, from the Haunting Camera Club. Now, we've, we've covered them a couple of times here on the show, but always nice to get them on this time of the year, of course. It was hopefully with better weather. Yeah, I know. Hard to believe, isn't it? But uh, hopefully we'll be talking about that. Uh, how to take that perfect picture. Chris, give us some ideas on that. And perhaps uh, how you can get involved with the actual camera club yourself as well. So, Chris here later for a chat about that from Haunting Camera Club tonight at ten past eight. And this is very exciting, our profile guest this week at age 25. Looking forward to this one. We've covered it a few times here on the show. But we're talking to the National Archives themselves up at Kew in London. Yeah, look forward to this. We've seen DNA, that was on the other night, wasn't it? Uh, with the, uh, the Chasers. And Hegarty and Sean Morris, and they'll be doing their DNA. But it's all the thing, all the race, family history, that, or if you like, just history in general, find out what, uh, I don't know, find about your streets. There's all sorts of things you can do uh, in terms of history, and National Archives will probably have the answer. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Paul Driver uh, from the National Archives up at Q. He's our profile guest. Here two of his songs as well. We'll do that around about 8.25. We're going to squeeze all that in uh, here on a very busy show for now until 9 o'clock. And if you'd like a first of our profile guest here on the show tonight, we do this occasionally. Uh, amongst the week's news reviews, of course. And we're talking about uh, local organisations. This one needs no explanation, really, I guess. But uh, so we want to delve into the history of it. Uh, from uh, Hampshire WI, the Women's Institute to UNV, uh, Helen Carter joins me on the line now. Helen, how are you? All right. I'm very well, thank you, Chris. Yes, how are you? Not so bad at all. Not so bad at all. Thank you for coming on and uh, and being with us tonight. And uh, we're going to hear two of your songs as well, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And, uh, and we'll share those uh, as well. Uh, Thank uh, you. Hampshire WI, I mean, it basically says what it does on the tin, doesn't it? 
Well, you'll be surprised. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's... Uh, well, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you, actually. I guess the, the WI has evolved over the years from humble beginnings. Oh, some very um, important beginnings, actually, Chris. Um, it started in 1897 in Canada by a lady called Adelaide Hoodless, and her fourth child unfortunately died of a stomach complaint um, on an isolated farm where she lived. Um, it's quite likely that he consumed contaminated milk, and she blamed herself because she didn't realise um, the importance of hygiene and basic sort of um, food safety. So she set up a campaign to raise the level of education of women and girls. Um, and it came to uh, Wales in Anglesey in 1915. And two years later, the National Federation of WIs was formed. Um, and we've gone from strength to, to strength from there, really. Um, so from very humble beginnings, we've, we've done an awful lot. The 1930s, we had a produce guild formed where women grew their own homegrown food and preserved fruits and vegetables. The 1940s is where we get the jam connection. We had £1,400 worth of sugar, which was given from the government to prevent more than 1,600 tonnes of produce from rotting. So that's where our sort of jam and preserves label comes from. Um, but we've got lots and lots of different um, campaigns. 1950s, we had the anti-litter campaign, which led to the Keep Britain Tidy Group. Yes. And the 80s, we raised awareness around HIV and AIDS. The 90s, we became members of Fair Trade Foundation. Calendar Girls in the 2000s, of course, <laughs> which you may remember. Yeah, indeed, yes. 2012, we formed our first women's prison, and we have a number of WIs um, in women's prison WIs. And during the pandemic, we kept in touch with um, telephone calls, emails, newsletters, meetings in bags, sewing for the NHS, supporting food banks, delivering prescriptions, you name it, we've been doing it. So that's, that's a qu quick history of the WI. You haven't really sort of um, put your feet on the ground, have you, so to speak? Your feet hasn't touched the ground really in all that time. Oh, no, no, the grass doesn't grow beneath no. my lady's feet. <laughs> no, absolutely not. There's always something going on, and I think that's the, in the intriguingness about what the WI does. I think you've just sort of scratched the surface there, but clearly there's plenty more to it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We've got nationally, we've got 220,000 members, and in Hampshire alone, we've got 190 WIs with 7,498 members. Um, so that's an awful lot wow. for our county. Um, so we look after all of those uh, with our team. Um, of course, the, the Queen and uh, Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, are members as well. They do their bit as well. Um, so we're the largest women's organisation in the UK, and we pride ourselves on being a trusted place for all women, all generations, to share experiences, learn from each other, build lasting friendships, and above all, we have fun. Yes. Uh, uh, Jerusalem. Yeah, and baking cakes and all But it's not just about baking cakes, obviously because clearly you sort of highlight that you do plenty more than just sort of cooking, really. Oh, absolutely, yes. Our WIs are into all sorts. They're into um, belly dancing, um, into crafts. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, all sorts of things. Oh, yes, you'd be quite surprised. Oh, hang on, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> we were just we're started. Very, <laughs> we're very modern. We're very progressive. Well. Um, no, we, we, we campaign nationally on, yeah. on a wide range of issues, such as mental health, um, stop modern slavery, which we just had down at Portsmouth. Uh, we just had our spring council meeting, and we had um, Donna Jones, who was the police and crime commissioner, and Nikki Amos from our... Um, 
Public Affairs and International, and both of them independently talked about modern slavery. So we're we're sort of highlighting that at the moment. Um, care not custody and all sorts of other things. Our resolution for this year is um, women and girls with autism uh, raising attention, uh, raising awareness. Uh, that will go to our meeting in June for discussion and voting. Um, and if that gets passed, which I'm sure it will, that will get. So we'll call on the government and relevant bodies to fund research into um, these issues um, how, and how they affect women and girls. Well, it just kind of shows that there's plenty more, um, you know, strings to your bow, if you like, then, isn't there? Oh, absolutely! Yes, yeah. and we're not just we're not just town, city, and village WIs. We have a, we have virtual WIs now as well. So we have Hampshire Clouds, which is an evening virtual WI, which anyone from anywhere in the country or the world can join. We have people from Canada, and we have people from America. We've got another afternoon one forming. So if ladies can't get out to join a WI in person, um, they can join one of the virtual WIs. Um, and get involved that way and make friends and make a difference. Yeah, yeah. It's great stuff, isn't it? Uh, and do you know what? I think perhaps over the last two years, now you, you've evolved, and I think you've already hinted at that, but I think because of the pandemic and, and keeping in touch with people, um, you really sort of came into your own, didn't you? Be it virtually. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I mean, the pandemic has, has obviously been a terrible time, but yeah. it's also been a good time because it's actually brought us on um, really sort of by about 10 years, we think, in terms of sort of becoming digitally so engaged that, with... that was quite a positive thing for you then, really, as an organisation. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously organisations evolve. Um, they need to change over time, and that, that's been a good thing because we were heading down the sort of digital route. Um, unfortunately, we do have, um, as you probably are well aware, we do have pockets in Hampshire that don't have broadband access. Yes. So um, our, our National Federation and ourselves are actually um, working with the broadband agency providers to actually say, look, come on, you know, you need to get your act together. Um, you know, we need to get people engaged and online and communicating with each other. But again, we've had training sessions where we've had, um, we've done it by Zoom and we've done it, we've phoned up people and we've got people connecting not only with their own members, but with their family here in the UK and overseas yeah. as well. So it's, it's, it's you know, from a, from a negative situation, you can get a positive. And that's what it's been, isn't it, the last couple of years? It's been, it has been negative, but out of this has come good. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's about community. It's about um, being together. It's about supporting each other. Um, and, you know, we've all been down. We've all had our, our difficult times. Obviously, you know, couldn't have family celebrations and funerals and things. But I think our, our ladies in particular have all been there to support each other and to, to just, you know, draw alongside them and just say, look, I'm here if you need me or if you just want to talk. And mental people, health. yeah, sorry, sorry, Helen. Can, can no, 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 sorry, no, 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 just mental health is very, very yeah. important. Yes, yes, uh, and and I'm just looking at the, uh, the the website here and all the the different things that you do. You mentioned mental health, of course, which I think is probably uh, one of the the crucial sort of talking points at the moment, hasn't it? But which has been thrown up by the pandemic. Absolutely. I think people were beginning to talk about mental health issues before the pandemic, um, but certainly it threw it all to the fore. And I think each one of us, you know, if we're honest, will say we struggled with our mental health to a greater or lesser degree. Um, I actually went on and became a mental health first aider um, during the pandemic and then also did suicide awareness um, course, um, both of which have been provided by community groups for free. Um, and that was very interesting, very interesting, because um, there's a lot more people out there in the community. It's not just 
you know, young men or uh, people who are struggling with, with addictions and things. It's, you know, people of all ages or all, all, uh, genres or are struggling. Um, you, you don't know, it could be your next door yeah. neighbour, it could be shopkeeper, anyone. We've just got to be kind to each other. And that's the key thing, isn't it? How would you, if someone said to you, what is the Women's Institute, Helen, how would you describe it? Um, it's an educational establishment for ladies. We share our experiences, all those ladies who have done things, fantastic things throughout the year. All of those good things have been passed down from generation to generation. So we have a wealth of archives, um, or a wealth of um, knowledge there that we can look at, you know, if we want to do preserving. A lot of us have got allotments. If we want to preserve fruits and vegetables, we can look back through some of the, the booklets and the archives we've got to see how to do that. And that's an interesting um, point there, actually, Helen. You mentioned about uh, a lot and things like that, growing stuff, mm. because obviously mm. WI was at the forefront of this uh, during the, the last couple of wars that we've had. Um, yeah. With all of the energy crisis now coming in, uh, is this a situation we could just sort of, you know, go back to? Definitely, definitely. We have a number of WIs that have community um, allotments that, that run them as part of the, the WI. Um, some WI ladies run them alongside the community. If someone can't cope with the full allotment size, then they'll get people within the community, you know, coming and giving them a hand. And again, that's that community, that's that talking, that sharing, passing on skills about how to grow things, how to prune, how to propagate, how to get the, the most out of um, what you've got there so yeah vitally important and and as i think as all of us we've gone on our walks around our neighborhoods we can chat to our, our neighbors about their gardens or their balcony or um you know we've been swapping it's quite funny in our little village um we've we've got masses of rhubarb on our allotment and we, we're known as the rhubarb people because everybody gets bunches of rhubarb left on their doorstep <laughs> if they want it <laughs> you see that's what the wi is all about it comes back the cakes again <laughs> uh, well, it does. But, yeah, sadly, my waistline will attribute to that. Oh, dear. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, we, we are very well known, and, and the Produce Guild was the forefront of sort of the WI produce market. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, jam and cake making became synonymous with the WI. And we still do that. We still enjoy our, our cake and yes. our cups of tea. Um, but we're much more than that. Our, our younger WIs are very much into their wine and, um, you know, their... their demonstrations as opposed to traditional speakers um, of all sorts so uh, we're a very mixed bunch Good, yeah, I mean, but that's a positive thing, isn't it? And I guess with all everything we're going through at the moment, you know, um, growing your own produce is probably a a good thing, isn't it? And and it comes back to what you were saying earlier about mental health as well Absolutely, gardening is is one of the classic things for de-stressing You know, if you're feeling anxious or you're feeling a bit fed up or you're feeling angry, you know, it's not you know, get your spade out, go and do a bit of digging, go do a bit of weeding. Um, you know, just being in the sunshine, connecting with nature, peace and quiet. I'm lucky our allotment's extremely quiet. And we've got nothing but kites and sparrowhawks and, uh, and robins and things. It's, it's just the fun. It's my, it's my happy place. Yes, and you can just lose yourself, I suppose, isn't it? That's a good way of doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Going yeah. back to nature yeah. and that kind of thing. Uh, and so that's why the WI itself is really important that it continues. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yep, yep. We've had our rocky times. Um, I think every organisation has, hasn't it? I think more so the last two years. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. We've got our challenges. We've lost a number of WIs that were struggling before. Oh. Um, the 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 role of volunteers has changed, and the the ethos of volunteering. Um, each generation brings its new challenges with um, 
you know, what's placed on it. I mean, unfortunately, ladies today, you know, have a very difficult work-life balance. Yeah. If we're not caring for children, we're caring for parents or aunties and uncles or, or sort of spouses. Are you as an organisation on that point then, Helen, sort of concerned, you know, because people do lead very busy lives and it's, it's not always sort of 90 miles an hour these days as compared perhaps it was to like 50, 60 years ago. Are you concerned that perhaps organisations such as yourself could get lost amongst all, you know, people's busy social lives? Um, it could do. I don't think we're actually seeing that. I no. mean, we have lost a few WIs, um, and things evolve and things do change. I was concerned when I took over as chairman in the pandemic um, just over a year ago. Yeah. Um, but actually, we've actually seen our numbers increase. We've actually seen ladies looking. Ladies are, are sort of reevaluating what they want to do with their life now. And we've got lots of ladies coming via the national website, the Hampshire website, um, social media. And they're actually, they want that connection, they want that community, and they want to go back to basics. They want to learn how to recycle, how to reuse clothing, how not to buy. Um, we've got something called fast, fast Fashion, where we're reminding people that you don't need to keep going and buying clothes every season. In fact, if you buy one really good quality you know, item of clothing, that will last you a long time. Um, and ladies want to go back to these things. They're wanting to learn to crochet, knit, um, felt. We've got all sorts of competitions, um, both nationally and at Hampshire, and one of those is called Where's Winnie? Uh, <laughs> Winnie being W-I-N-E, and Love then it's, it. it's, it's knitting or felting or making a corgi for the Queen's Platinum yes. Jubilee, and there will be two gold corgis that will be made and then left somewhere in the UK for anyone to find. Um, and there'll be a very special prize for the person that finds that. So there's all sorts of, you know, fun and, you know, again, it's fun, it's friendship, it's education, it's learning. There are some serious issues. We had some serious issues at our um, Spring Council meeting when talking about, you know, modern slavery and um, abuse and those sorts of things. But we turn that around to what can we do and what can we look out for? What are the signs of modern slavery? How would we know if, if our neighbour's nanny from... Pakistan is, is, you know, here by choice or being coerced. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's the sort of the two flips of the coin, really, you know, um, being yeah. educated on serious things and, and having fun. Yeah, that's the main thing, is that having fun along the way. And being educated as well, in some ways. Oh, absolutely, yes, that's that's the, the main ethos, really, of the charity, is, is education. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, that can be serious, it can be fun, you know, we have lots of trips out to, to various places, cathedrals, um, theatres, all sorts of different ones, all with an educational ethos. Um, and many of our WIs have spin-off um, clubs as well, for sort of book clubs, craft clubs, um, mahjong, um, theatres, holidays, you name it, the list is endless, you know. Blimey, so, Helen, um, there is so much going on, isn't there? <laughs> oh, right. well, yeah, 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 you can do as much, as, you can wow. do as much as, or as little as you want in the WI. Yeah. Um, and it's all about self-learning as well. I would never have done an interview like this a few years ago, and I would never have Wouldn't been you? on the main stage. No. No, I was very shy, very, um, no, no, I wouldn't do it. But you do take baby steps and yeah. you think, I so can do this. Actually, it's sort of learned you, it's given you sort of skills that you, you didn't really know you had. 
absolutely. I went along to a WI. I was yeah. asked to thank, thank the speaker, and I was shivering, and I was, I was, oh, I can't thank the speaker, you know. And, yeah. and I, I did it, and I thought, actually, it's not that bad. I've not died, you know. I'm a little bit shaky, a little bit sweaty, but, you know, it seems yeah. to be okay. And yeah. You, yeah, and you do. And then are you building confidence? I mean, nobody's forcing anyone to do anything, but if you want to, just take those little steps, and actually you, you can stand back then and think, golly, you know, haven't I come a long way in a few years? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's building life skills as well. Yeah, which is all good stuff. Uh, Helen Carter is the first, if you like, of our profile guest tonight from Hampshire WI, and uh, we'll chat to more uh, to Helen and uh, play the first of us, two of her songs, in moments on tonight's show. I think to myself, what a wonderful. What a lovely song there from Louis Armstrong. What a wonderful world. That's a typical like spring type of song, isn't it, uh, really, Helen? Don't you think? It's lovely. I mean, it talks about um, love and what the world would be if we all loved each other, really. Um, and it is a fantastic world. It is when you sort of, you know, look at it deeply, these, and we're blessed, I think. Uh, so when I look at this, some of these uh, holiday programmes, they're mentioning Spain and Portugal and things, and like how wonderful they are. And I look at some of them, I'm thinking, yeah, but it's barren. <laughs> All I can see is dirt tracks. <laughs> at least in this country, we've got greenery and, and lush green and grass and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, and particularly where we are in Hampshire, yeah. we are, like you say, so blessed. We've got the beautiful trout streams with watercress. Yeah. So we've got local produce. We've got beautiful um, seaside with Portsmouth, Southampton. We've got the fantastic new forest. I mean, why would you want to go anywhere Absolutely. else? Really, we've got it. We've got so much on our doorstep yeah. to be explored and yeah. uh, to have a look at. Yeah, we do take it for granted. I think sometimes, don't we? A little bit, I think. We, we do, do, we do. Yeah, we do. yeah. But it's uh, a nice song. Uh, so I guess that's why you chose it. Um, it's very special to me because I think wherever I've been and worked around the world, everybody seems to know it. Um, and whenever we've been anywhere, um, people have played it to us in yeah. various different forms. And Louis Armstrong said himself, um, it seems to me it ain't the world that's so bad, but what we're doing to it. And I think in these days with COVID, with Hell, war, with yeah. climate change, yes. it's still sadly very relevant. Um, and he, if you look at Louis's... Um, um, YouTube videos um, he all talks about love and being kind to each other and I think if we were all kind to each other it would make a huge difference wouldn't it just eh? it, with all the hatred in the world you know it just makes you makes you think doesn't it I think uh, the, Helen it just makes you think well it, it does I mean we've all got cars we've all got homes yes. we've all got money in the bank we've all got food and some people are uh, walking away from all of that with what's happening in the world and we all need to be doing our bit to, to help yeah, yeah, certainly makes sense. Nice song, uh, and the second one is an- another thought-provoking song, I think, too. So we'll play that for, uh, for you very soon, indeed. Thank you. But, Helen, I mean, there's, we've, we've said already, or highlighted, that Hampshire WI is um, very versatile, of course. Made famous thanks to, to Calendar Girls, I suppose, in, in a sense, as well. Uh, definitely. Well, that's that's what well, how I joined the WI. Um, I was a speaker, and I used to go around with my laptop and my projector. And I was approached by one of our local WIs to actually they were hosting um, 
um, Angela, the lady that sadly her husband died, that instigated mm. the, the calendar girl. She was coming down to talk about her story and show video, and they didn't know how to do the technology, so I went along and did the technology for them, and I got a signed CD from the lady, and I was so inspired by her story, the fact that actually she got fed up, you know, or her and her friends got fed up of hearing about broccoli from speakers and decided that, you know, something more positive should be done. I thought, yes, that's my kind of organisation, that's my kind of ladies. Um, so I joined and I asked lots of questions and I um, ended up doing lots of different and very, very rewarding roles, um, ending up with chairman of the federation, which is um, quite an honour um, and quite a challenge, uh, but quite a joy at this difficult time as well. Exactly. Uh, so there you go. You see, hook, line, and sinker, you pulled in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, think, I think I've got a mug written on my forehead. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I bet you do. That's, uh, but it's been good for you, though, hasn't it? Obviously, it's, it's given you new skills by, by sheer well, chance. Well, again, going back to that, you know, yeah. thanking a speaker, you know, you, you stand up with your knees knocking and then you yeah. end up, you know, um, being with, with um, you know, people on a different level. And it's not doing it for being on a different level. I'm exactly the same as every other WI member. I'm no different to anyone else. It's just I choose to, to want to take those opportunities yeah. to, to, you know expand my, yeah, you know, my own absolutely now i mean this day and age now uh, helen of course yeah. uh, and things are getting tighter and what and what have you uh yep. are we finding new wi sort of uh, popping up at all does that happen these days yes yes we've literally um two days ago started up a new wi in hailing island it's oh. the second one you see look i mean i, I didn't even know about that there we are. The chances, Helen. <laughs> there, well, there we are. There we are. It's called Hailing Honeys, right. um, and yeah, and we are. We have actually got a number of. Um, um, inquiries in different areas to start up new WIs, so it's really that's good, then, isn't it? Time. It's so, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that comes uh, back uh, to your earlier point. It's still popular. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's extremely popular. In fact, um, at one point, we had um, a couple of years ago, we had um, one WI that started up, and it was so popular that two weeks later, we, there were so many people we couldn't get them all in the hall. Two weeks later, we said, "Well, let's start another one." Those ladies did, did exactly the same thing. We had to open another one. In, so, in six weeks, we had three brand new WIs. Um, but yeah, certainly at the moment, we've got a list of um, interested people. So, uh, yes, we are we are expanding our, our membership. Um, and we're all trying different things, you know, the, the WI has evolved and we're all, um, we've got some ladies doing skydives and you won't get me jumping out of an airplane. But <laughs> There's a limit, I suppose. <laughs> I don't like heights. Yeah, no, I really, I won't be, I won't be doing that and I won't be doing anything with spiders either. Um, but yeah, we've got lots of, um, as I say, lots of new members that have come to existing WIs and we've got um, WIs starting up as well. So if you look at our website, um, hampshirewi.org.uk, um, you'll see all sorts. Um, and if people are interested, if, if they click on the little Google pins, um, it'll show them the ones in their area. Yeah. Pop along. Pop along as a guest and see if you like it. Try one or two. And uh, if not, come back to us and we'll start a new one if, if you're not happy with well, there you go. So, so the, the one in Hayley Nind, uh, tell us about yeah. that then, just to whet people's appetite and perhaps we can get people involved in that if they're in the local area. Yeah, um, it's called Hailing Honeys. It's literally just, as I say, it's literally only just started. So if you go onto our website, which I'm on now, I'm not even sure that the details have got on there, to be honest, because we only have one member of staff who works part-time. Um, but if you go onto the Hampshire uh, website, all of our WIs are on there. Um, and as I say, we have 190 
SWIs, uh, lots in the Portsmouth area, um, Stoke Grosley Sisters, um, we've got lots in South Sea, Morning Tide, um, Gosport, Alverstoke, so there's something for everybody in each, you know, corner of the county, really. Okay, so Gosport, there's a couple kicking around there, and... Oh, yeah. In yep. South Sea and yeah, Old Port. Okay, so best thing to do is, is search on your website for, the, for your local WI. It is, yes. Yeah. Search on the website or have a look at the website. Give us a call. Um, we can chat through different ones with you. But they're all on the website. There, they're all very different. And if you if you click onto each individual one, it will show you pictures and give you a flavour of what they're like. But we would say just pop in as a guest. You know, you'll be warmly welcomed. Um, they'll chat about who they are and go round to two or three, see which one you know yeah. um, people like best. That's that's the best way, really. Okay. Now, I mean, you mentioned, of course, being a charity. How do you sort of generate funds then? That must be difficult. Um, it's been extremely difficult yeah. the last two years. Um, we were, well, we've been very lucky. We thought we'd have a deficit. We were very lucky in that the investments we have uh, did generate some money, but we will be looking at a deficit over the next couple of years as we go back into um, starting up again. We've got a fantastic events team who put on lots of events. So we have dinners, we have a holiday. We've got a, three coaches going to Norfolk at the end of the month. We have all sorts of events. We have craft we have cookery we have musical we have theater um there's many many uh, lots of virtual events we have during lockdown obviously we've got quizzes um we've got walks um something in basingstoke called what the bride war we have coffee mornings and we have something called ufo sales which Sorry? is unfinished ufo sales they're called ufos which is unfinished objects. i was gonna say <laughs> We can sell anything. Um, and, but basically, you know, if ladies have had a craft and they got fed up with it or they started a tapestry and didn't want to finish it, then they donate it to us um, and we sell it on to other ladies and that generates a lot of money and it's fun for people to come and buy something and take that away and finish it. Um, so all sorts. We have training and um, there's a Royal Victoria Country Park um, guided talk and the Micron Theatre Company are coming to do um, a production with us. So there's lots and lots and lots and lots always going on and lots more competitions and things. Obviously, there's lots around the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Yes. Busy time um, for that, yeah. So all your events are on the website so people can get involved with yeah. Yep, they're all on the on the website, yeah, and a lot of them are open to non-members as well. So please, you know, do have a look at those. Um, it'll state quite clearly if it's from members or non-members. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely masses going on. And, and again, you can do as much or as little as you like. Certainly. And now, uh, very quickly, we're running out of time. We've got about 30 seconds of this, uh, Helen. But oh I mean, if people... <laughs> are, yeah, bless that Tom goes so quick, you see, once we start. It does. But I mean, if someone's interested, perhaps... You know, setting up their own WI, how can they do that? Get in touch with us, um, get in touch, all the contact details are on Hampshire website, um, or get in touch with yourselves and then ping it through to me, um, and we'll get in touch with you and we'll start one up as soon as we possibly can, which sometimes could be days or couple of weeks fantastic that's a good way of uh, getting people together too isn't it really and, uh, absolutely yep, bit. Yep. yeah yep get six or more friends and we'll see what we can do helen it's lovely talking to you tonight thanks for coming on do appreciate that let's get your second Thank bit you. of music on something cultural head towards news time from uh, william blake this is jerusalem isn't it it is indeed yes thank you very much chris pleasure you look after yourself helen regards to all their love to all take care we'll talk again thank you. all right keep in thank touch you. cheers helen yep. bye okay now. bye
But yeah, we're here to on tonight. Six West this week. Thanks for being there tonight. We're having to be across the city of Portsmouth and Fairman Gosports and Havants, Waterlooville, Hay Nines, Hemsworth, and all the other nooks and crannies. Uh, 93.7 FM, DAB, and we're online, of course, at expressfm.com. Thanks for tuning in tonight. What's going on across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire? Uh, we're talking about, uh, well, let's fucking, well, look, we're getting near spring. We need to take some good old photos, you know, some nice pics of some sunny days, of course, <laughs> which is going to be, you know that, don't you? And uh, well, hopefully, a nice uh, Easter as well. The weather's hopefully going to be nice. Uh, Easter, which is what? Next week? Crikey. Uh, where's this year going? Uh, from Haunting Camera Club, we're talking to hopefully guidance for that perfect picture. Uh, Chris Dixon joins me on the line now. Chris, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks, thanks for, for inviting me on the show. It's a pleasure. Lovely to get you on and uh, talking about pictures. And, and it's important, isn't it? Taking that perfect picture, I always think. It's the perfect picture is a difficult one to quantify because it depends on the viewer. So a perfect picture for one person is not necessarily mm. a perfect picture for the other person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are some sort of guidelines in terms of, of how to construct a picture. And I can talk you through those. Yes, please. Yeah, because obviously we want to get it right. Uh, and uh, it, some of the pictures that uh, you often see on the weather forecast and local TV are, are, are excellent, aren't they? Some of the quality of those photos. They taken. are, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, there's a couple of things, really. That is, uh, if you're going out taking pictures, the, the first rule is you can't do anything about the weather, so make the most of it. Yes, totally. You know, it, it can be chucking it down with rain, or it can be a glorious sunny day. But yeah. Whatever the weather is doing, uh, try and take some pictures to either capture the mood of the weather or, um, the, you know, the scene you're looking for. Um, the, the other sort of element to take into account, really, when you're taking pictures is um, it's, it's a bit like the acronym KISS, which is Keep It Simple, Stupid. Um, it's, it's basically don't over-clutter a picture. You know, you've, you're taking a picture for a reason. You want to show something or somebody, whether it's family or friends or whatever, but try not to have the dreaded lamppost sticking out of their head and all those sorts of things, you know, the usual sort of stuff that does crop up every now and again when you're, you, you've, you, you're, you're sometimes guilty of looking at the person or the thing you're taking the picture of without being aware of the overall background behind the picture. So, you know, when you're looking through the viewfinder or on the back of your phone or whatever type of camera you've got, is, is try and take that into account. Try and take the overall picture into account. Because taking the picture is like an art, isn't it? It's, it's basically an art form. It, it is. I mean, there, there's some. I mean, there's some types of picture which yeah, I, I love. Art pictures. I love trying to create pictures that I would be quite proud to hang on the wall. Um, now, whether the wall is the downstairs loo or the lounge or the kitchen or whatever <laughs> is depends on how good the picture is. But you, you, you get the gist. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it's it's a, it's trying to create a picture that evokes a mood or tells a story. Really, it's it's. It's a difficult one to quantify um, because it depends on what what you're going out for, and it's it's a lot of people are guilty of, particularly with modern cameras, of going out there and pushing the button, and the camera goes, <laughs> and you end up with a thousand pictures, and you don't know what to do with any of them. So it's it's in an ideal world, it's have a think about what it is you want to take the picture of, and why, and if possible. Try and convey in the picture that you've taken the message that, that the viewer can see why it is you took that picture. 
you know, you, it's, it's like creating a dialogue. Um, I guess it's telling you, the story, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Um, creating a dialogue between you as a photographer and whoever it is that's viewing that picture. What's the best sort of, um, on that theme, what's the best sort of camera, I mean, I mean, now smartphones are getting more sophisticated, aren't they? But what's the best sort of camera, smartphone to, to take that perfect picture almost? The, the, I'm going to be slightly cheeky here. The best camera is the one you've got with you. Okay. If you haven't got one with you, you can't take a picture. So whether it's your phone yeah. or a, a great big digital SLR or a film camera or a plate camera or whatever it's you know if you want to take a picture and you haven't got a camera you're, you're stuffed really yeah um you, you you've got a visual memory in your head but you can't print that easily no no not it, these days anyway no indeed not and it's that sort of moment isn't it i, I guess you know you only get that one moment yeah, that, yeah. and that's I mean, it gone a lot of pictures particularly you know sort of family and friends and you know pets and all that sort of stuff they they rely on you capturing the moment as you just said yeah, yeah, so you just get that one chance and uh, yeah. and that's it, yeah, yeah. That's a nice analogy, actually, to, to, to sum that up, really. <laughs> I never yeah, thought it like yeah. that, but uh, but it's a good one. Now, mate, where's the camera club uh, in, in terms of Hornding coming to all this? Um, well, we've been around since 1956 as a camera club, yeah. not me personally. I mean, no. I was a bit young then. <laughs> um, and we've we've got about 75 members now. Uh, we've... We've also got quite a vibrant um, junior camera club, which has got kids from age of 10 to 16 who go out once a month and learn how to compose a picture and take a picture. Again, it's regardless of whether they're using a phone or a camera. Wow. Do you so think we, perhaps, you know, the pandemic has helped to, you know, increase the numbers for you in a funny um, sort of way? It's, it's done strange things, actually. Yes, we... The numbers of people meeting in the village hall have obviously reduced. Yes. Um, but we've been able to utilise Zoom and and have speakers from further afield than we would normally have um, and and been able to Zoom the meeting to people's homes if they're a bit COVID aware, you know, COVID nervous. So yeah. we've, it's been quite successful, actually. Um, but as I say, there's a couple of downsides in, in terms of there doesn't seem to be enough, a lot of printing of pictures. You know, it's, it's the, the problem that we've got these days is images are kept on digital media. Mm. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, in the press, in the, in the photographic press, about actually you should, you should think about printing your picture and hanging it on a wall or sending it to somebody as a card or something like that. You know, there's nothing better than holding the picture in your hand on a piece of paper or you know, photographic paper or card or something. So it's well worth thinking about actually printing the thing out and or having one of those, um, you know, what do they call them? I can't think of the word. <laughs> but like paintings almost of, of these pictures. Yeah, yeah, a sort of montage. Of montage, pictures. yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah, you can do that quite easily with, you know, with, with modern technology and, and even some of the, the applications you get on the phones these days can do that for you, you know, it's just being able to print them out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the other things, I mean, going back to composition, the other, the, the other apart from the keep it simple message that I gave, yeah. is there's a, a thing called the rule of thirds, which is if you imagine the picture divided into three vertically and horizontally, where those lines intersect, 
on the thirds is is the ideal position to put um, your your main subject. So it's not not necessarily bang in the middle of the picture, but it's slightly off to the left or to the right. Um, so it's, it's have a think about compositional elements when you're taking a picture as well. I know this is really easy to say when you've got a dog running around or you know grandchild charging around. You know, I mean, they always say that taking pictures of kids and animals are the hardest things to do, but. Um, there are ways, and you know, you can you can capture the moment if with a bit of patience and planning. Yeah, yeah, it's just getting it right, isn't it? That's yeah. the, that's the key to all this. But uh, I, I think it's encouraging from what you say. Then the youngsters will be sort of taking you know taking hold of of this it's as well. Good. We've, we we had our annual general meeting last night, and we discovered we got a bit of a waiting list for the, for wow. the junior club. Um, and we we were fortunate enough last year to get a grant from East Hampshire, uh, which allowed us to pay entrance fees for the kids to go to, you know, events that we wouldn't normally take them to because it costs a load of money. So um, we, we managed to be able to get them into all sorts of places that they thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and we'll, we'll try and do the same again next season. You know, our, the season's, our season is just about to end. It's sort of September rounds over the winter through till May. So we're about the end of Okay. This year and yeah. planning starting next year now. Lovely stuff. But this time of year is a great time to take take pictures, really, isn't it? Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. It's, well, I'll, I'll backtrack from that. Any time of the year is the perfect time to take a picture. It depends what it is. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you're doing landscape, then this time of the year, early in the morning or late in the evening as the sun's setting, the light is fantastic and it's, it's brilliant for doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. You've got some sort of dramatic sort of pictures really on your website too that people can sort of, you know, get the idea from. Uh, yeah, we have, yeah. Now, I've got a, um, I've got a confession to make here. Oh, come on then, Chris. I Thomas. was updating the website this afternoon and I think I've broken it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's, it's in the process of being repaired, but you can see stuff about us and you can see some of our images on there at the moment yeah so looking at them now yeah i mean some of the shots are, are stunning especially the one with the um with the pier and what yeah. have you yeah the oh no that was, yeah. yeah that's um that's done quite well in various competitions yeah yeah um, and uh the cutlery one as well the forks yeah yes yeah no, there's some good stuff on there yeah we've, we've we're very fortunate they've got you know we've got a group of people we've got 75 members now wow. um and we've got a group of people that are varying in skills but they're all enthusiastic about it, which is the important thing. Yeah, it's nice. And as I say, the kids specifically, I mean, you can imagine the camera club is, you know, it's got a lot of grey hair, <laughs> um, but we're trying to get the youngsters involved as well. What a good way to do it as well and get involved in photography, which is, uh, yeah. which is you know, some of these shots are just absolutely stunning. What a, what a hobby to do as well. Chris, look, if people are interested in tonight, perhaps be becoming part of the camera club, how can they do it? How can they get involved? Um, well... Once the web, well, the website is sort of, if, you, if you're looking at it now, aren't you? Yeah, I am indeed. Yeah. If you go to the home page, yep. Um, there's a bit down the bottom that says further information. Please contact. Gotcha. And it's got my name and an email link, and you just click on that, and you can ping me an email. Look at that. So jump on the website is probably the best way of doing it then. Um, yeah. So okay. it's just email chair at hornbeancameraclub.co.uk. Fabulous. Uh, and people can get in touch with you, get involved, and yeah. uh, perhaps they can see their, their picture on the website soon. 
Absolutely. And if there's anybody good, any good at fixing websites, I'd love to <laughs> <laughs> For goodness sake, ping, ping Chris an email. He's broken his website. Absolutely. <laughs> if yeah. you can help, help him out. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, it's been smashing talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Good luck with the rest of the, what's left of this season. Um, perhaps we can come back to you later in the year uh, when can. the new season starts. Is that all right, yeah. Chris? Yeah. Well, it's nice to catch up here and uh, you know, find out how you do. Uh, Chris Dixon, thanks for coming on tonight. Good to talk to you. Enjoy Thanks the spring. Cheers. All the best to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Chris Dixon, chairman there of the Horndean Camera Club. And as Chris said there, go on to their website. It's Cam... Sorry, start that again. Their website, horndeancameraclub.org.uk. And if you scroll down, you can find Chris's name on there. And you can ping him an email, particularly if you can fix his website as well. <laughs> Bless him. Especially this week, fast pushing at 8 30. What time going tonight, eh? Can't believe it's Easter next week. What's going on there? Cheers, my love. Yeah, local news and views across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. Thanks to your company tonight, 93.7 FM on DAB. And we're online at expressfm.com. Hi to Maureen in Waterlooville tonight. Hi to Dave, who's uh, our regular there at expressfm.com. And thank you for tuning. We happen to be across our patch tonight and uh, enjoying the programme, hopefully. Uh, hopefully we all enjoy some more because we're talking about uh, archives and history, which uh, I guess we sort of touched on. We're taking photos and that kind of thing. Uh, more so tonight um, with the National Archives, which is a fascinating uh, and intriguing place. Never been there, but um, certainly from what you hear, all the different, uh, you know, some of these programmes which uh, feature the National Archives and things like that. It's an interesting subject, totally. The man that can tell us all about that, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, is Dr Paul Driver. He's on the line with us now. Paul, good evening to you. How are you? Uh, hi, Chris. I'm fine, thanks. How's everybody out there? Uh, hopefully. Well, uh, hunky-dory and uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> Paul, thanks for coming on tonight. I do appreciate it. And uh, you, you told me off here that we have to bear in mind that where you are, we could hear the odd plane or so. Right, so I'm, I'm under Heathrow's flight path, about a couple of miles from Heathrow. Brilliant stuff, so we'll, we'll bear with it, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Paul, it's, uh, I mean, the National Archives is, yeah, up at Kew. Uh, it must be a wonderful place to work, work in. I mean, it absolutely is. It's obviously, you know, we, yeah. we sometimes call it a history factory. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I'm, I'm very lucky in that I'm a medieval record specialist. So I get to work with the, the kind of the iconic records in the National Collection, things like Doomsday Book. But obviously at the National Archives, we have everything all the way down to like you know, your modern government digital records, tweets, that kind of thing, everything in between. Wow. Uh, what a collection as well. <laughs> what an absolute collection. Uh, I mean, where does it all start then, Paul? Where's the collection start? Okay, well, so obviously, as I say, the National Archives is kind of the official archive, well, currently for UK central government. Yeah. But historically, it was the archive for English and then British royal government going back effectively to Doomsday Book, but really from about 1200 is when the main series of kind of written records start. Um, the actual National Archives is was formed in about 2003 as a merger between the old Public Record Office and the old Historical Manuscripts Commission, and the Public Record Office was founded in the 1830s, um, well, by the Public Record Act, sorry, the 1830s, and then the actual building in Chantry Lane in London was in the 1850s. And there's quite a good sort of story about this, in that obviously all of the, the historic records of government from, you know, the 12th century to about the 17th were kind of, you know, festering away in all these different repositories around London and around the country, 
and several royal commissions looked into the state of record keeping. And Henry Cole, who was the inventor of the Christmas card, and I think the first director of the Victorian Albert Museum in London, he effectively appeared before Parliament. I say brandishing, but he, he produced a sort of a dead, mummified rat <laughs> with lots of sort of chewed-up parchment in its stomach as proof that, you know, the nation's history was going to be lost unless action was taken, you know, to actually preserve what was out there for, you know, for the nation. It was kind of one of those Victorian intellectual endeavours that actually, you know, produced one of the great collections in the world of, you know, official government records. Wow. It must be a joy to sort of, you know, see all this firsthand. I guess for you it's like a day-to-day job, but for the rest of us, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fascinating because obviously well, there's a lot more now TV programmes that, uh, you know, feature history. We're really getting into it now, aren't we? I guess it's thanks to those uh, TV programmes that sort of enhanced our in- intrigueness of, of, of the subject. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I guess you're thinking of things like who do you think you yeah. are, where, you know, yeah. celebrities are following their own personal journeys and we you know we see that every day so the national archives this year has just worked with um final past the online um, genealogy provider and we've made the 1921 census available so i mean i know by my own personal perspective my grandma my mum's mum appears in that census wow. she was only about 10 weeks old and it was quite useful for me because i was obviously then able to pinpoint exactly where she was where she was born and brought yeah. up. I come from Lincoln itself, so I can pinpoint exactly the house she was built, born in. I knew, I, we found out a couple of things about her siblings that we didn't know at the time from the records. And then obviously I was able to try and follow that back through other censuses, other kinds of records that we hold, um, you know, personal um, records relating to yeah. birth, marriage and deaths or military records, that kind of thing, to try and, in her case, build a picture of my family going back to sort of early 19th century Ireland. Wow, okay. They were Irish migrants in the late 19th century, so... Yeah. Uh, and that, and that, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not untypical of the kind of stories that you can tell. Yeah. I, I get the book, obviously, they're all, every time today. Yeah, a fascinating. Because uh, I guess it must take hours to try and build up this picture, as you say, like, of, of particularly family trees and things like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, family history, any kind of history, really, is you can't just... Um, the problem is, you know, things like who do you think you are? Yeah. You, uh, you, you know, you see the celebrity walk into a repository or, you know, meet somebody in a cemetery yes. and they're handed an envelope or told by a researcher what's that, you know, what's in their family tree. Yeah. But of course, the hours and hours of professional work that goes into that from not just people like me, but your professional genealogists or professional historical researchers that you kind of don't see. And of course, that sometimes for your listeners gives you a false perspective of how quickly they can, you know, go on their own journeys. On the other hand, of course, it does really reveal the kind of exciting things you can actually find if you're willing to put the time and effort in to, you know, or, or you know, to actually go to the archives or to go online or to, you know, speak to experts or, you know, people in your family even about what they know and then enables you to build up this bigger picture of your, yeah. your own past or your community's past if you're interested in, you know, a local area, say. Yes, yes. So how are these sort of archives handed to you then? Do people sort of physically hand it over to you? What's the process for that then, Paul? So, I mean, I can kind of give you what we are, because we're the archive of UK central government. Yeah. So as you'll know, all of the government departments, they're creating records all the time. Now, some of those, historically, of course, were all created on, on paper or, you know, on typewriters or whatever. And now, of course, they're created digitally. 
Now, there's le- archive legislation and uh, you know, I'm, I'm freedom of information, data protection, that kind of thing. So, at the moment, government departments are expected to transfer um, material that's been selected for permanent preservation twenty years after it's created. It used to be thirty years. Only about five percent of what government creates in any one year is actually selected for preservation. So, what will what you know what will survive in hundred years' time is only about five percent of what was happening. Okay, it's basically a snapshot of life, really. Yeah, exactly. But it's a snapshot which is, you know, rooted in law and in sort of in the different kinds of archival structures that are created out there. Um, If you were to, for example, go to a a more local archive, like Hampshire Archives, let's say in your area, they are collecting not simply the records of the local authority, but they might be collecting records of the Diocese of Winchester, say, or local businesses or schools or um, local charities, because they have a different remit. Their collecting policy, as officially known, is different, and it's often broader. And it relates to kind of the historic setup of the um, the archives locally, but also it relates to what they've been able to collect over time and where they sit in the kind of the broader archival landscape locally and nationally. OK. So, uh, and I'm guessing from that, that uh, you sort of, you know, keeping c- close contact or certainly network with these sort of local organisations. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the National Archives, one of our departments is called Archive Sector Development, and that actually has an outward-facing role to the archive sector. So the National Archives is kind of the leads the archive sector across England and Wales. So we, I have colleagues who, you know, have specific responsibility for a, a region or for a particular kind of records, like transport records or business records yeah. or school records, that kind of thing. So although, you know, we, we are the National Archive, we also have that sort of local and regional remit too. And I'm guessing it's not just print, it's also, well, we've just been talking about photos, but I, I guess photographic uh, history as well. Yeah, I mean, we tend not to have a massive amount of photographs. Okay. We have a couple of collections. So there's a copyright collection, for example. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you were to copyright something, you often have to submit an image, a photographic image of it, to the, um, the copyright registry historically, and then they would be kept. Otherwise, it's often incidental. It might be, I don't know, for example, there's, you know, Colonial Railway, say, and you might find photographs of, you know, the, the construction of a particular railway. Whereas... Other archives are actually set up and they've got specific archival standard um, cold stores for photographs, for example. You know, they're, they're specifically designed to take photographs. And it's the same for film or sound. We tend not have too much film or sound because they are they're different formats. They require different kinds of mm. technology and approaches to preserve over time. So they're, they're, they're kind of, you know, it's, it's a specialist yes. area of archiving and you need specialist skills and specialist repositories. So really you're more of the sort of the, the hard copy type archive? Historically, yeah, but obviously as we come more into the digital era, yeah. we're building massive servers. We're we, we, we the home of the, the government web archive, UK web archive, yes. for example. But lots and lots of records that are now coming to us were created only digitally there isn't a paper copy right. and we have to work out how we're going to preserve those we have a whole team a digital archiving team so how those are going to be preserved yeah. over the time. so and that's going to be a, a challenge then paul yeah it's a totally different challenge of which i i will admit <laughs> i mainly live in the 14th century it's the one that i have to deal with uh, on a daily basis but we, we have colleagues who are expert in, in that kind of work and who are you know creating 
new methods and new approaches all the time. Yeah. Is this sort of, you know, do you ever sort of find um, an archive piece, do you think, you know, or you're missing something, you're missing that vital piece of archive, you think, you know, this is something we really need. Are you still looking out for, for, for you know, certain archive material? I mean, yeah, yes and no. I mean, there are certain, obviously in my period, which is sort of the medieval period, yeah. so much has been lost that you, you if, if anything ter- comes up, it's a major, major thing that there's something new has been discovered. Um, obviously, I, you know, I've not, yeah, it's a tricky one with more modern material because, again, you know, there is so much out there yeah. in, you know, let's say business business collections, you know, a business goes bust, who has, certain, you know, who's got certain archives, are they signing somebody's office or are they at somebody's house, you know, that kind of thing. It's not, it's not straightforward as something just being missing there are lots and lots of places they they could be and things turn up all the time you know there are regularly archives around the country are presented with material which individuals want to donate because they think they should be there i mean we're so we're you know colleagues regularly have to deal with um material that's put up for auction yes and there is there's legislation which means certain things you know can't be exported out of the country Yes. And we have colleagues in that team who, you know, are looking out for that kind of thing all the time. Okay. And so, you, you can't just Yeah, export. yeah. And so, I guess, filing all this away, that must be a complete nightmare. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> it, when institutions such as ours is so large yeah. that we have... But, that one, but we've got resources in various different areas. One thing I'd say is that we've got a vast collection, and certainly for the medieval period... A lot of what has been preserved hasn't yet reached accessibility to the public in the sense that it's not on our catalogue. We've got lots and lots of material which was basically bundled into sacks in the 1830s and has not yet been sorted for... um, for public access, it's been well, it's been kind of. It's, we know what it is, but it's not. Sometimes yeah. the condition of it is is pretty um pretty difficult for people to to deal with. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of work still need on on that side. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's but virtually everything that we hold is accessible in some way. We we know what we've got, but it's often you know the condition of material or the difficulty of, in my case, you know, the difficulty of accessing the documents because of their language or the way that they're written. Yeah. Yeah, is a challenge to m- most researchers. Yeah, the National Archives, a fascinating place. Uh, how, if we want to research something, what's the process, um, Paul? What, what, how well, do we do that? Yeah. Perfect. I mean, the, the best thing I can tell you is that effectively everybody is very welcome to visit us, and it's all free, effectively. Um, so um, there's a variety of ways you can use um, use our archives and get in touch with us so we've got a, like a public inquiry service where you can email us you can live chat with us or if you visit us in queue then you can speak to experts over the desk now if you identify using our online catalogue which is called discovery nationalarchives.gov.uk um you identify a record you want to look at you can make an appointment to visit us we're open um tuesdays to saturdays and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're open nine till oh, 9.30 till 7. And the other days, it's 9.30 to 5. Uh, there's no kind of, you don't need a letter of um, introduction. All you need is a couple of bits of ID to visit us. Um, once you've, you know, got your reader's ticket, you can then access the reading rooms. And you then can, you know, read the documents that you want to, want to, want to read. 
uh, on site. If, however, for example, you are looking at, I don't know, census material or um, things like military service records from the First World War, lots of those are available online and they're available normally through um, the genealogy company, so Ancestry.com or Find My Past. But our own website, we've got material you can also download. And during lockdown, a lot of that download material has been made available for free. There was previously a charge for downloading things like, you know, wills or um, some some First World War records, that kind of thing. Uh, but effectively, I think that the main message is, you know, please visit us. You're very welcome. We'll get in touch with us and we'll try and help where we can. Yeah. Uh, we can't just come up for nose then. Uh, not really. You would need, I mean, you, you would need, need a reason why. Yeah. You need a reader's ticket to access the reading rooms. You can certainly come and visit us for a variety of events we have on. So we put on uh, public events. We've got an exhibition space. So at the moment, we're running an exhibition about all about the 1920s, which is free to access. And you don't need a reader's ticket for that. We've gone on site cafe. We've, we have, so this week, for example, because it's school holidays, we have like um, events, our education team are running sort of children's activities. And during the summer, we often hold sort of outdoor events. So previously we've had like a medieval day where we've had like knights jousting and falconry and that kind of thing. So there's a variety of ways that people can engage with us. But obviously, if you want to look at original records, you need to have a, a reader's ticket to get into the reading rooms to see them. Yeah. And now your speciality is medieval. Uh, uh, was that something you've always been interested in, Paul? Yeah, we're, this is... I, everybody sort of laughs at me when I tell this story. Yeah. You know when you're... Well, you, you probably do know this, because when you're a kid, yeah. you get, like, four sticker albums, don't you? Yeah. Or, or you, you know, you, I had... My mum and dad bought me, like, a Monarchs of Britain book when I was a kid. And you go through, like you do with all the football sticker albums, you know, who's got the same birthday as me? And of course, I, I happen to have the same birthday as King Edward II, who reigned in the early 14th century. Now, he's, he's one of the least well-regarded of all medieval kings, but that really got me into it. And I've sort of been fascinated by the early 14th century ever since. And, you know, I went, we didn't study it at school particularly. I couldn't study at university, but I ended up trying to follow a research career. And I was, you know, fortunate enough to be able to do a, a, a doctorate at the University of Bristol. Um, you know, several decades ago now, shall we say. <laughs> and it's always after school, isn't it, that uh, you, you've just found your passion, don't you, I, I guess, really? Yeah, I, mean, I was always interested in history at school. Mm. I mean, I, I come from Lincolnshire, so it's, it's not... We don't have, like, you know, like, say, in Hampshire, you've got lots of lovely little castles and things. Yes. You, you, I mean, obviously, we've got, we've got the greatest cathedral in the world in Lincoln. So that, Absolutely. That's I've been there, but, yeah. Uh, lovely city, yeah. We, whenever we went on school trips, we always went to places like York or South York. It's like we, we never, never went anywhere in our own county. So, you know, growing up, I didn't really engage with my own local history as much as I could have done. Now, of course, I'm actually secretary of a record society called the Lincoln Records, which <laughs> publishes, publishes editions of all types of records wow. relating to the ancient city, county, and diocese of Lincoln. But there, yeah, is, really. there is an equivalent in New Hampshire. There's an equivalent in most counties, so... Okay, brilliant stuff, Paul. Look, it's been fascinating talking to you, and t- just give us a you know a, an insight to to what goes on there. The National Archives is a wonderful facility to have. I mean, people are looking for their family tree. Is the best place to start with, I guess, is you guys, particularly uh, yeah, censors and things like that. Um, well, certainly for things like the census, if yeah. you're looking at military records, we don't hold things like birth certificates because they're held by the General Register Office. But you can find indexes online for those. 
Um, and as I say, most of the records, that sort of the, the main family history records, have now been digitised and are searchable through um, the main online genealogy providers like Ancestry.com and Find My Past. Fantastic. It's, it's, it's fascinating stuff, uh, and I'm sure it will grow and grow because of the, the, the interest, I think, particularly all these various TV programmes now doing it. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, we've all sort of got uh, got hooked almost. And, and, and oh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's great for, for you know, organisations such as yourself as well. Well, I, I think, you know, it, without, without um, the public... We are nothing. No. You know, we we could have all the you know all do all the research we wanted into our collection, but without without engaging with the public, finding out what you want from us, how we could help you, we you know, all of our all of our kind of functions have to be, you know, dedicated towards the public. Yeah. Broadly speaking. Yeah, brilliant stuff, Doctor Paul Driver. Thanks for coming on tonight. Do appreciate it, and uh, all the best here. I'm sure we will come back to you again. All right, many thanks. Cheers for the best here. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks to all my guests this week. Um, next week on the show, we're talking to Phil Ratz. We'll have an update on uh, how the food banks are coping in around the area. The friends are homeless, of course, in Fairman Gosport. Uh, we're also talking to our profile guest next week, Bill Lambert from the Kennel Club. Never thought of his company. Two of his songs as well. All part of next week's show. Hope you can join me then for that. Same time, same place, 7 o'clock here at Express 93.7 FM. Have a fabulous seven days. Stay safe. Night-night.